version of get on up that's what's about to happen i don't know where you guys are in your lives but i was having a conversation with an insect the other day and it's not the normal way that you would talk to an insect like oh shit a bug but it's the way that you would talk to an old enemy returned you know what i'm talking about a nemesis that dared show his face (gasps) jeremiah d cockroach well friend we meet again the shoe did not work the spray did not work Weapons have changed, but the war, the war remains the same. Because I was talking to a spider for like an hour, and I decided at the end of that talk that that spider could stay, because I'm in my 30s now, and I know as an adult you need a few insects on your side if you're going to make it through the night. Because when I moved into my apartment, there were nine spiders. I was like, that is ten too many spiders. So I killed all of the spiders. Felt great about it for a week because I found out there was someone else that was really waiting for me to kill the spiders, the crickets. Holy shit. Abraham Lincoln had nothing on me when it became Juneteenth in my fucking apartment. Crickets came from corners I'd never seen going, sweet freedom! Our eight-legged masters have been vanquished! How can we praise our deliverer? I've got it. Let's put on a fucking concert every morning starting at 1 a.m. He'll never sleep but always hear our love. Let's start right now. And one, and two, and a... a.m. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. sleep? Horribly. But I have the nutcracker in my head for some reason. (laughs) I can't kill that bug, though. I can't kill a cricket. Because uh, cricket does something. You know, I don't like its music, but it plays an instrument. It's hard to crush a bug that has a talent. Have you noticed? Crickets can't do it. Fire bugs or lightning bugs, whatever one you call them. You know, some people call them one, some people call them the other. Depends on where you are in the country. You might say root, route, or rut. Anyway, you can't smash a fire bug because their tails are powered by the dreams of the innocent. And then a bee, a bee's in the middle of a double. You've never not seen a bee stressed out. Like, it's just, it's got to make honey, it's got to pollinate, it doesn't have time for your bullshit. A bee's in the middle of something. But a wasp can go to hell because 
A wasp does nothing. It doesn't pollinate. It doesn't make honey, but it still has a stinger. It's unemployed with a weapon. That's a thug. That's what a wasp is. Four letters. That's why I talk about wasps like they're gang members. Be careful. A lot of yellow jackets out tonight. <laughs> anyway, guys, I'm going to be here <laughs> more as I keep coming up and going down. And I don't even mean on the stage. I mean emotionally as well. <laughs> we have a great show tonight. This is a Put Your Hands Together show. So you know the lineup's going to be stellar. And the first comedian coming to the stage is no exception to that rule. You may know her from a film called Obvious Child. And she wanted me to say there's a new Marcel the Shell out for your perusal. A round of applause for Jenny Slate, everybody. So we're just talking about being very nostalgic about comedy. What's what's been making you nostalgic about comedy? Well, you know, most of my my best friends that I have in my life now I met at Rafifi, where I met you. Yes. Um, and but now I don't really see them perform anymore. You know, like a lot of those people, they work on TV shows and we, we have careers. Yeah. When do we get to see each other? It's weird. Like we used to just hang around a lot together in bars, and that truly is. It's not the culture in LA. Um, but I went, I went back to Big Terrific, which is the show that I started with Max Silvestri and Gabe Liebman. In New York. Yeah. And everybody was still 25 except for me. <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, like, it's not even just the city, but it is the, it is the age thing, too. Mm-hmm. That we've been, the need to hang out and to create those relationships isn't necessarily there because we've created them. Yeah. And now we gotta pay some bills. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, I have no bills. I don't. I get. Every, you know. I just. Uh, I live in a tree. Oh. Yeah. And then my clothes Bamboo? are made out of grass. It's an oak. Oh. Okay. Yeah. A big uh, California oak. Is that a oh, thing? I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah. I love that you looked to me to say that you're from, <laughs> and I had no knowledge to offer. And no knowledge to offer. See, man, times have so, really changed. What you got going on right now? Do you want people to pay attention to? Oh. Um. I've been working out a lot. Okay. Um, I've been doing squats. I feel that my... Uh, yeah. I, I hate plugging. Your... I okay. hate plugging. Don't you feel like people will just find... No, I don't know. They could. They can... Yeah, but, but it's, it's... Don't think about it as plugging as much as what have you created that you just really love that you did that you right. want people to check That's out. That's a really nice way. And it, I don't mean it as false modesty. I just feel weird. Um, well, I love our new Marcel the Shell book. It's our second one. Boom. That's a good thing. And there's a new video online. And my movie, Obvious Child, is available on VOD and Amazon and all that shit. So I, was, I witnessed a taping you did? of, you know who Dan Savage is? Yes. Bill Maher tried to make a pilot for Dan Savage. It's basically real time of Bill Maher, but it's okay. Dan Savage and about sex news. Mm-hmm. And I went to the taping. I was invited to the taping, and they had a long discussion about Obvious Child. They did? Yes, they did. What did they say? They Well, everyone loves it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> what if they just shit on me? That would be like my nightmare no, 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 if Bill no. Maher and Dan Savage were just like randomly No, well, Bill Maher like... wasn't there. Oh. But what they, what they love about the movie is they felt like it was that your voices uh, and the story that you're telling is incredibly necessary. I think because so. Because you have it. I haven't seen an embodiment of an intelligent woman on screen mm. who decides to choose herself. Yeah. And it's about you. 
mm-hmm. not necessarily about an abortion. Right. Well, it's about Donna. It's n- not about me. I mean <laughs> the character. Yeah. When I but say yeah. you, I mean the character in the movie. Yes, I agree. I, 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 I it's I, about I, the character. That's what I'm saying. And they, yeah. they were like, it's nice to see it done well. Oh, that's and cool. And funny and not like, it, it, there's no like moralizing in it. Yeah, that would have made it really shitty, to be honest. Like, I think that Gillian Robespierre, the director, she just was so thoughtful and just didn't want to make it like schmaltzy you know she didn't want to make it um but like well dan savage paid attention sappy that's cool man and loved it yeah i love that all right get out of here all right (laughs) jenny slate we got a lot of history jenny no jenny for a long time been very nostalgic about comedy lately, and this next comedian I uh, have a lot of personal history with, but you may know him from Conan or Letterman or his Netflix special, Small Dork and Handsome. A round of applause, everyone, for Mike Kaplan. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. The results are in on most of the political races, and uh, great news. Hillary wins in 2016. Uh, Because the Republicans have won a lot of things this year. So uh, this is for posterity, you guys. Uh, This is a podcast that now exists forever, so uh, let's see if I'm right. If anybody's listening after 2016, November, did I get it? So I guess let's start the recording now. Um... (laughs) I, whenever I come here for this show, which I love, uh, I always, it's such a great concept for people not in Los Angeles to get to witness what a Los Angeles comedy show is like, except for the fact that whenever I do it, I'm like, oh, I got to do something different and not from my act. And like, it's got to be like on, in the moment. So the only thing that's the same every time is me fumbling at the top to be like, oh, everything's, it's always different. Every time it's always different <laughs> is always the same. Every time is me saying it's always different. Does everybody? Okay. So let's start the recording now. And, um. That'll be my getter done tonight. So, like, I, I honestly love, like, being in the moment, uh, like a freestyle rapper or the Buddha. And uh, I honestly, like, love freestyle rap because it's basically two guys, sometimes a girl and a guy, or two girls, or trans people, whatever it is in the future. I don't know. Are there trans rap battles? There, why, of course there are. They're, uh, I mean, maybe they're more peaceful. Look, I don't want to make any assumptions about people. Like, hey, don't call us peaceful. Fine. Okay, weird. Um... <laughs> But you've got two people who are in rap battles, and they're like, I hate you. You hate me. Let's take turns rhyming about it. That's the way, which is a pretty weird, like, kindergarten kind of way to go about it, I feel. Which, I mean, rapping is very educational. You got Snoop Dogg. He's like, it's D to the O to the G. Oh, that's right. And then another G. Oh, you had it right before now. You you were so close with that. We said you were right, and then you kept spelling. Uh, What a spelling biatch. Okay, so... um, I love freestyle rap, and I was invited to be on a show done, it was pre- being produced by a freestyle rapper I know who's married to a neuroscientist, and they, that's true, that part's, <laughs> okay, so uh, they put on a show called Off the Top, and he freestyle raps and does some prepared raps, and she uh, presents research and data about how freestyling works in the brain, how improvisation of any kind, like there's a jazz improviser on the show, there's comedy improvisers, there's this freestyle rapper, and then I was doing stand-up, I guess, as a control group, and uh, they're just demonstrating, like, this is what the brain is like when it's just not making things up, when it's just saying things regular. And 
like the freestyle, to prove that he would freestyle, he would come out and then say, give me three things that I haven't heard, like just any suggestions. He'll incorporate those three things into his rapping so people know he's making it up right then and there. So then I came out after him, and I was like, I'm a stand-up comedian. I do prepared material to let you guys know, to prove to you that I'm not making anything up. Give me three suggestions, any three things. I will not incorporate those things into my stand-up, and you will then know why I am definitely not improvised. So if anybody has any things they don't want me to do stand-up about, please feel free to yell out, and we'll get the first three things that I hear. Strings. Strings? Okay. Uh, I can't promise that. Okay, next one. <laughs> balloons. Great. Won't say anything about balloons. Boobs. Boobs. <laughs> did, did you just say that because this person said balloons and you're like, not sexual enough. I like, I like the shape, but I want a nipple. Okay, so balloons with nipples. Got it. Okay, balloons, boobs, and one more. Colorado. Colorado. Okay, fair enough. Uh, also, balloons are just boobs on strings. How about that? So uh, that was the first person said strings, if we don't remember. The reason I can't promise not to say that is because I, I, I played the violin growing up. Since I was four years old, my mom made me, and I didn't like it. Uh, and I'm happy that I'm into music now, that I started playing guitar, and I want to. But like, I love freestyle rapping so much that if I had a child, which I will not... If I, I mean, I'm not in complete control. I have a lot of control, but if, you know, if it accidentally, if I accidentally have a child that I then will love and take care of best as I can, I will make that child, I will try to make them a freestyle rapper like I was made to be a violinist. It'll probably come out totally wrong, but I'll just be like, Jimmy, did you do your hour of freestyle rapping this morning? Yes, Dad. What'd you come up with? I don't know. I was in a flow state. Okay, that checks out. I know how freestyle rapping works. So... I just love it so much that, I, I mean, I write, I used to be a musician, I mean, I am still, who used to, anyway, I wrote, I have a friend who's a rapper, Zach Sherwin, maybe you know, you should know him, uh, if you don't, I mean, there's no shoulds, but we are friends, and I will write rhymes and send them to him and be like, hey, is this, is this a rhyme already? <laughs> and I'm like, is this a rhyme? He's like, you can tell what a rhyme is, Mike. And uh, I'll be like, have it rappers ever done this? So this is the thing that I don't think I've ever done here before, or really ever out loud. Uh, we, but this is, uh, Zach and I, this is sort of a, a, a written rap battle to each other. I like wrote a line, and I wrote it to him. Uh, so I wrote, you're a, you're a cock-blocking ball buster. I'm a cock and balls blockbuster. <laughs> Then he wrote back, nah, you're all talk buster. The only thing you bust nuts in is a sock full of cock custard. <laughs> uh, then I think, oh yeah, I think this is still, no, then I think it's me. Oh yeah, this is me. I'm not flustered, because at least my cock's not busted. I'm crop dusting socks with a cock pistol of hot mustard. Not like your flop duster. You can't even fill a sock buster. Even if you rock a filibuster, sorry to drop this philosophy on your softy phallus that's lost its luster. The same way your socks get lost in the laundry, they're purposely determined to lose her and get on me. And then he wrote back... <laughs> Sorry, but I don't trust your bluster. It doesn't pass muster. You doth protest too much, sir. You must forgive the cuss word, but you're an imposter, and I'm the real sock fucker. I got it locked. Oh, that's, yep, that was funny. Okay. Uh, I got it locked like supper in Tupperware, so pull up a chair, Bubba, prepare, because I'm the upper tier man. I'm a puppeteer who's got the sock puppets that I stuff till they're knocked up with octuplets. <laughs> Zach Sherwin. Uh, then I wrote, 
You call that a whooping? You all sock stupin? Stop it, stupid. You're not a sock cupid. I'm the shot caller. I'm the sock baller. And you're balling socks up just like you can't use them. You think you're a puppeteer? I think you're getting uppity here. You're more like a deaf ventriloquist who's so poor he sent with a wrist a limp dick message that didn't get to the fist. So no need for the old vitriol, but if your socks are knocked up, it's because I'm in your drawers, yo. Drawing your socks out with some rock'em sock'em knockout hot shots because you're cold like Tupperware, old, moldy, and fuzzy there. A joke even to Bear. But see, there's no puppet I can't get up in there. Did I tell you, just like I called them, knocked up sock puppets? Because I balled them. See me coming? Bet you didn't. Your socks? Victim of my ventriloquism. Uh, that's when you come, but it ends up in somebody else's place. Uh, then we got, I think, one more back and forth. This is Zach to me. You must be smoking sensimilla-ism. You're as unskilled at dissing as your socks are filled up to the gills and glistening. I'd overspill a fish... Fishing tankful with this slickness. I'm just thankful the meniscus at the ankle is so viscous. <laughs> Can I get a witness? You're losing your composure to me. I treat your gold toe like an old hoe and pimp your hosiery. Lift the dress of your dress socks, stick my tube in your tube socks, and single wangedly gang bang a whole crew of your crew socks. <laughs> And I do it non-prophylactically. Factory or hand-knitted, believe this. My gland spits some sexually transmitted diseases. Okay, and so he wins, but I did one more. Uh, let's see. This one has like an asterisk in it, so uh, I don't know how that's going to work out. Let's try it. You got disease? Well, I got dis-ease. And you got such difficulty, it is ridiculously ticklish to me. Please, I'll diss you while you wish you'd jizz spew into my socks or a tissue. My diss won't miss you. I'll dismiss you with a kiss to your kicks and your missus's kicks, too. I'm in her pantyhose. You're more like anti-clothes. You're all like, arg, I'll do nothing, but starve while I barge hard into her argyles. You treat my gold toe like an old hoe? No, although I feel your old hoe deep down in her soul, yo. Soul means two things. Uh... My foot in her, I put, it, I put in her like I'm fisting, but instead of twisting my wrist in, it's my ankle in her system. <laughs> Is there a word for this act, could you say? This qua has an air of je ne sais, and I'm not sure they intended it to be put this way, but where no other words quite fit, this may. You've heard of the movie The Foot Fist Way? When I made this, you should dismay. So that was the asterisk. And now, in conclusion... <laughs> Don't be daring to doubt. I'm wearing her out, this human shoe woman you've been caring about. You can't hold a candle to how I handle her sandal. Understand, yo, you have a grand old time. Just listen to this scandal. We've been sneakering around to protect your feelings, but it's high top time you knew about our sexual healing. She just wants to be next to me, so why don't you just not step to me? Enjoy my clothes. I'll enjoy your hose, and they'll enjoy the rest of me. Okay. Uh, and... For what I think will be the last thing that I do, uh, not ever in life, but right now, um, I'd like to invite back Baron Vaughn to the stage to beatbox while I freestyle poorly for a minute. While Baron's getting set up there, uh, what, what, the day that Baron wrote his Halloween set up, song, set up, set up, perfect. Uh, he actually wrote another Halloween song and came. He, I was driving to a show that Baron was on, so we were carpooling. Me, Zach, and Baron and Ryan Singer were in a car, and Baron gets in and starts a song. Uh, do you, how, do, how do you think it started? Uh, comedy carpool, here we go. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> On our way down to the show in San Pedro. San yeah, Pedro, yeah, that's where the show that. was. Anyway, the point is, it was so catchy in the ending. The ending was, 
First you'll ha-ha, then you'll hee-hee, then you'll ho-ho-ho-ho. So everybody remember that. Um, and it was uh, pretty worthwhile, I guess, saying that. Did everybody feel that that... Let's edit that part out. So, uh, <laughs> Baron, if you want to lay a beat, I will now make some rhymes about strings, Colorado, boobs, and balloons. Okay. No tunes, just words. You're gonna swoon. Okay, I'm not a baboon, and I'm not singing a bad tune. I'm kicking a mad spoonerism. Okay, a spad moonerism? Yeah, I'll show you my butt. That's like two boobs on a baboon. You're silly. You spit jism out of your dick because I'm so cool. You're like, whoa, okay, back toe school. Toe school, like the socks in that rap? Okay, I'm so toxic. It's like crap in your system. You're like, I've missed them. The guy who was here before reading us lists of things that he'd written before like this is shit and I'm like oh yeah this is the shit okay I'm trying to be shit man this beat is something beat boxing it is something it is no beat toxin that's two times I used the word toxin toxic like okay I work for Tox Inc an incorporated company that sells toxic ink why not that's a thing that I can do in my high tops these are actually nice shoes didn't tell you guys why dude I'm going to the magic castle here so as soon as I'm done doing this tragic hassle I'm gonna be some sort of magic asshole and disappear and so okay did I use any of the things I said balloon okay strings got they're at the end of a balloon and okay coming soon adding boobs right they're like balloons but not full of hot air full of silicon like the valley okay oh yeah nice fill there I'm getting high on this this is a silly air like if you eat something that's full of helium where like it's in a balloon heading up to the top of the rocky mountains in colorado okay i did it not so bad and okay yeah i gotta wrap it up baron do you want to do anything not necessarily thanks a lot everybody my name is kaplan Mike Kaplan, everyone, one more time. <laughs> I just want to be close to you. Anybody know that song? Maxi Priest? Three of us. Okay. Let me just... All right. I don't know what happened because I erased it. <laughs> yes, here come the men in blau right, So next... I don't know what this pose is. I like that I'm doing it. And this is for the, uh, the audiences at home. I just wanted to show you guys my shirt. I will not stand for prejudice. It was given to me. They thought I agreed. I do. This next comedian also agrees. I have the least personal history with this person, but I did recently do a show with this man in New York. And uh, he destroyed, and I had to follow him. I didn't like that, because he's very, very good. A round of applause for John Early, everybody. Thank you, Baron! Oh, God. Hey. <laughs> Growing up gay in the South was tough. <laughs> At first, I kissed him time and time. 
But then, <laughs> people at school used to call me Tho. And sometimes even worse, Tho. My mom, she better believe she sounds with that. And my dad, well, here comes, here comes, here comes. That's my story. It is. That is true. That is true. <laughs> no, but truly, a, rec- a very a recent realization. To be completely real with y'all, I wasted so much time in high school trying to like Radiohead. <laughs> when I could have been learning how to use my butt for sex. And now here I am in my sexual prime. I have no musical taste that never took hold. And I've shit on every guy in Brooklyn. (laughs) Oh, I, like many before me, am prone to the classically gay trait of female idol worship. Or what I like to call, are you my mother? Um, so I'm really, I'm still really processing the Jan Hook's death. It's still working its way through my system. That devastated me. We've lost a lot of icons this year. Elaine, Joan, but the Jan Hook's death, that felt cruel and random and, like, specific as fuck. That was a targeted death. That was, like, a, um... Uh, a Brooklyn-based death. <laughs> that, was, that was an artisanal death. That was a boutique death. That was a farm-to-table death. Um, do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just now emotionally grappling with Joan dying. Like, I, for the longest time, I was like, don't listen to any you know, interviews. Don't, don't watch any performance footage. You've got to stay strong for your shows. And then I was like, we well, are coming to L.A. You can unravel now. So I, I listen. Sorry. Um, but I, y'all, y'all like that. You like the truth. <laughs> um, so I, I, I finally, I was like, I, I was like I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to her on Fresh Air. You know, with Terry Gross. I'm going to listen to Joan Rivers on Fresh Air. I brought my laptop into my kitchen. By the way, my larva-infested kitchen. At any given point in my um, Brooklyn kitchen, there are seven to nine larvae, like, body rolling on my ceiling. It's fucking vile. It's disgusting. It's a health hazard. And uh, I'll come into my room in the middle of the night, crazed in my underwear with a broom, looking like Victoria fucking Jackson, swatting them off the ceiling. And then I come back in the morning, they've, like, doubled... It's hell. It's hellish. Uh, and they, and these, these larvae, they become moths, and they journey into my bedroom. They don't have the mainstream accessible narrative of, say, a butterfly. They have a gritty indie narrative, but they couldn't get Naomi Watts, okay? The point is, these moths, they, they journey into my room. They whip past my face as I'm sucking some stranger's dick from Grindr, okay? And I'm like, this doesn't feel like Felicity. I was told New York would be shot for shot Felicity, and this doesn't 
feel like Felicity. Anyway, Joan, we were talking about Joan. Joan, so I'm listening to her on the on the on the on the fresh air, and I'm and I I hear the pain in her voice, the tenderness, the wisdom, and I start sobbing. I start crying so hard, heaving sobs, going to different rooms in my apartment, like, what does it feel like to cry in this room? Just like totally <laughs> lost. Saw myself in a mirror. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> John, you're gorgeous. <laughs> if you just could bring this vulnerability to the stage, imagine. And, um... And it, it be, I haven't cried that hard since Tony Collette lost the Oscar to Angelina Jolie in 2001, okay? And I named my dog Muriel, okay? So the Tony love runs so deep. I was very upset. I was devastated. I was so pissed off. If, by the way, is that Aubrey Plaza in a wheelchair? No, it's Angelina Jolie snoozing her way through the film of Girl Interrupted. Bye, bitch. Your performance sucked, okay? It sucked. Sorry, shots fired 13 years after the fact. Suck my dick, Angelina. Meanwhile, Tony in the car with Haley Joel Osment in the sixth sense, the wig, the nails, the... I asked her, do I make her proud? What other comedians in LA are doing Tony Collette impressions? <laughs> Come on. That was amazing. <laughs> Whatever, let's move on. I'm not going to talk anymore about Joan. I love performing in LA. Uh, rest in peace, Joan. I'm going to move on, though. Uh, I, love, I love performing in LA. I, it's, I'm getting so burned by these Brooklyn shows, like these New York shows. Like I did a show in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, the other day, and it was like, it was like Brooklyn in drag. It was like uh, the cartoon of Brooklyn. It was like, in a backyard. <laughs> and there was like, a string of Christmas lights. <laughs> And there was, like, all-white crowd, white DJ, hardcore rap playing. And I got up there. I got up there, and I was like, I'm going to fucking tear through this noise. I'm going to get up there. I'm not going to alienate. I'm not going to try to be cool. I'm just going to body roll for these motherfuckers. I'm going to be a fucking faggot jester for these people. And I did that. I was, I was internally, I was like, I'm destroying. And then, but then I looked out, and I was met with just this, like, unified, chopped bang. <laughs> Just like one chopped bang floating above the crowd in full paralysis. And my problem, my friends, is not with the chopped bang. I see some gorgeous chopped bangs here tonight, all right? Um, <laughs> my problem is with the paralysis in the face of my joy. Because listen, if you're going to rock the chopped bang, just know what you're referencing with the chopped bang, okay? If you're going to reference bohemia with your look, be a motherfucking bohemian and dance with me, bitch. Okay? If you're going to give me like a Godard pixie cut, like fill your costume, bitch, and be free. I'm not mad that you're wearing costume. Just fill the costume. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to ride a bike, ride a bike to get to where you're going faster. Don't comment on riding a bike. You, can, you look like you're like straight out of Harold and Maude. Congrats. You've achieved the Harold and Maude silhouette, but you're emanating corporate terror. Okay? I smell you, bitch. Okay? Enough. It's like, don't waste your youth being like, eh, you know, we're young. Let's dance. Let's fuck. You know? Oh, the rage. What is it? <laughs> What's behind it? Uh, both my parents are ministers. <laughs> See how quickly I found that out? <laughs> What's behind the rage? I just asked it, and then I found my parents are ministers. Um, no, both my parents are ministers, and I, I always tell myself, you know, with my comedy, I'm, I'm, I'm reacting against them every time I get up on a stage, but I'm just up here preaching. Oops. Um... <laughs> I have to acknowledge my hair. You probably can't tell, but I'm so self-conscious about it. I, I, I have a frosted tip. 
right now, if you can see just a gentle frosted tip. It's, it was for a roll. It was for the work. Okay, I would never do this on my own. I look like, I look like, uh, it looks like Lou Pearlman came in my hair. I look like Aaron Carter without money. <laughs> Y'all know Aaron Carter loves Christmas. Right? And there's no joke there. There's no reference there. There's no double meaning. You just know on some essential level, he's like, he loves Christmas. <laughs> like, ask me, will someone, will someone, I'll be Aaron Carter, and you ask me what my favorite holiday is. Hands down, Christmas. <laughs> now ask me, <laughs> I'm still going to be Aaron Carter, ask me what I love about Christmas. What do you love about Christmas? My family. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God, guys. Um, uh, in the spirit of Aaron, I've got to go. So I'm, 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 in the spirit of Aaron Carter, we'll... I'm gonna do some Britney for you, okay? When I, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Have some fans. <laughs> um, when I, yeah, I like to do Britney when I do stand up, and it's, it's. I want to just be clear before I go into it. It's not my impression. This is not about. This isn't like my spin on Britney. Okay, this isn't. This isn't funnier. You know, this is about conjuring her. Thank you, sir. This is about bringing her into the room and respecting her. Um, so I'm gonna do it now. I don't need I don't need a beat. I was gonna ask Baron back out here, but he doesn't need he needs to rest. He's hosting. Okay. <clears throat> okay. <sighs> I used to think I had the answers to everything. <laughs> But that I've chosen always as I can Fantastic. One more time for John, everybody. Please. Um, so, my name. Uh, my name is Baron Vaughn. Did I say that? <laughs> it's a fantastic name. It's rhythmically perfect. Baron Vaughn, three syllables. You know, I mean, one's one, two's a coincidence, three, a pattern. So, <laughs> my name is a perfect piece of music. And that's what my mom was thinking about. She was thinking about rhythm, not history. You know, when she named me, she was like, what song will people's mouths play when they call him? That's what she was thinking. And I always wish my name was something like Jamal, just something 
unmistakably black. That's what I wish my name was. Something that if you saw it on a paper, you'd be like, well, that's a black person, obviously. <laughs> that's what I wish, because I would love that to precede me, because I love making people uncomfortable. That's what that, so I was, I'm robbed to, to like, robbing, I'm robbed of making white people uncomfortable just by them asking me my name, because I would take that just, oh, your name's Jamal, does that mean anything? Yes, Jamal! Jamal Black! Black like midnight in winter! In the north, Jamal is an Arabic name, and black people have taken Arabic and African names to remind us of a history we were robbed from. My name is Jamal, it means beauty. My middle name's Malik, it means king. My name is Beautiful King. How will you do I get the job just when it's inappropriate? Just the worst time for me to do that. Now, excuse me while I land this plane, you know, just, yes, I am your son's birthday clown. It's just, it's more of a birthday Samuel Jackson than the birthday clown. I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. I've also had it with the age of 10. Happy birthday, Jason. 11 is good for you. Just like... But my name is Baron Vaughn, so of course I get, what's next? That's what I get. Baron Vaughn, what? And then every made-up German name that you've ever heard, and that's why that's my personality. My personality is every made-up German name I've ever, Schnubenflauser, Schnubers in here, Munchausen, Wrinkledick, all of it. All of it's in here. That's why I want to name my son something uh, memorable. You know, so if I call him, people will be reminded of history, of context that was special at some point, you know, where I could just be like, come over here, excuse hashtag Ferguson, get over here. <laughs> hashtag Ferguson, get over here, please. This is my son, hashtag Ferguson. This is my daughter, hashtag Yellow Women. And I told you, no good can come out of a hanging out with hashtag why is there no white history month. Um, three years until hashtags are in people's names. Okay, more show. You guys ready? Yes. We built this city. Um, this next comedian does everything I say. I told him to move to Chicago, and he did. And some people call him Baby Baron, and I don't know why. But he's a very good person, very funny comedian. A round of applause for Martin Murrow, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, how you doing, everybody? I know I look like Baron's country cousin up here, don't I? <laughs> Gonna come visit you in the big city. <laughs> I saw the Chinese theater and a real-life Chinese person. <laughs> why are we? I don't know why my country voice sounds like the crows from Dumbo. I don't know how this happened. I, uh, I'm actually, I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. Fun, horrible place. That's right, I escaped. Good. Uh, I did go home recently, and I saw my mom, which was awesome, because I'm a child of divorce, and I know I'm not the reason my parents got divorced, but I'm pretty sure I'm the reason they got married. <laughs> Timeline just lined up. Uh, but it was cool, like, going to my old childhood house and everything, because the house that I grew up in, the family before us, they left behind these pictures of this little white girl, which means the house is haunted. That's just how <laughs> that works out. So my mom thinking this house is haunted, anytime she would hear, like, a creak on the floor or a doorman by itself, she would yell at it as if to scare the ghost away. 
She'd be like, we ain't got nothing! As if. <laughs> this ghost is trying to rob us, apparently. So I was a film major, and I always thought there'd be nothing better than to cast my mom in a horror movie, like The Conjuring or The Grudge or The Ring. Because nothing would make one of those haunted house films better than it being an hour and a half of a black single mom yelling at the ghost. <laughs> the ghost would be like, get out. She'd be like, you pay no goddamn rent. And quit playing on my lights. Or running up my pills and shits. Somebody better get this little white girl jumping on my television. I'm trying to watch Living Single. And get these two Japanese babies making cat noises and shit. I gotta go to work in the morning. You need Jesus. Very religious woman. Second favorite part about going home is always seeing my grandparents because they're amazing, right? Uh, like they either tell me who died recently or they're gonna tell me like a great story about their past. Uh, Usually the latter is a lot better. They told me recently, uh, they told me recently how they met. I got to hear their how we met story and it's wonderful, all right? My grandfather was sitting on a crowded bus. My grandmother gets on this bus, but there are no seats available, so he offers her to sit on his lap because he's a fucking Mac. <laughs> so now I always have to remember though that any like crazy sex stuff that I do now is my genetics and it came from them, right? It was weird, like, I, I was talking to my grandmother recently, and she'll know that I'm having sex, but she uses outdated terms to let me know so. And I was like, Granny, I have a sore throat. And she goes, oh, okay. <laughs> I see somebody been dining at the Kitty Cat Club. I was like, <laughs> Granny, no. <laughs> I went to the kitchen, grabbed some pineapple juice. She was like, oh, okay. You trying to make your man milk taste delicious. I was like... Granny, why the fuck do you know that? <laughs> it's disgusting. I uh, live in Chicago now. I work with uh, first graders. Yeah, Chicago, you've heard of it. Great. Uh, working with first graders, I learned something recently. They still play the recorder in elementary schools, which you guys remember that, that shit? Yeah. Which is, I don't know why that's still a thing. I've yet to see a professional recorder player. There's no dubstep remix of Hot Cross Buns, none of that there. I don't know why it's still around. Kids are awful, though, man. I can tell you that. Like, uh, the worst. And this little boy, uh, he was running around with his shoes untied, and I go, hey, little man, I need you to tie your shoe. And he goes, why? <laughs> and I go, so you don't fall. And he goes, but I want to fall. So, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You'll have plenty of opportunity in the future, my friend. Trust me. Wait till student loans run around. Um, and the worst situation I've had so far, though, this little girl, she comes up to me, she goes, Mr. Martin, I have to use the bathroom. I'm like, all right, go. She comes out five minutes later, she goes, I lied, I didn't have to use the bathroom. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she comes back ten minutes after that and goes, I need to use the bathroom. And I said, you can't now because you lied the first time, so you have to wait with everyone else. Then she stands there and pisses herself in front of me. <laughs> then goes, this is your fault. <laughs> And if that's not the making of a future Republican, <laughs> what is? <laughs> I tend to get into a lot of arguments with uh, conservatives online because uh, I have way too much free time on my hands, apparently. Uh, and they always have like the same solution for every problem: should have had a gun. This would have been fixed with a gun. Everyone should own a gun. 
And then they'll like create elaborate scenarios too, right? Like, all right, you don't think you should have a gun? I'll tell you a situation where you probably need a gun, all right? Let's say that your family decides for Christmas y'all are going to Paris, but you have some sort of altercation, you get left behind, they leave, and then there's two burglars who are going around willy-nilly, <laughs> robbing people left and right. Now you have this neighbor who you thought was a mean old man, he happens to help you out, and you have to set up all these elaborate traps to knock out these burglars, and they get arrested. But two years later, if I wouldn't be goddamn, you find yourself in another situation <laughs> where your family's taking a trip to Florida, right, for Christmas once again. And you're thinking, who would go to Florida for Christmas? That ain't Christmasy at all. And then once again, the clock gets set back, and you find yourself on a plane in New York City where you befriend a homeless woman who really loves pigeons. <laughs> and if I wouldn't be goddamn, there are those robbers once again. <laughs> So once again, you have to set up a lavatory traps around a really nice hotel. The Grinch is there for some reason as well. And you happen to get in another situation where you get them knocked out, but that would have all been fixed if you would have had a gun. You're like, what? You just got the first two plots of the Home Alone movies? That's what I just heard. I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, how many of you guys plan to have sex later on tonight? Make some noise. One person, nice. Here we go. Fun. You guys are fun. I know there's like, isn't like a big syphilis outbreak in California, so I get it. Be safe, guys. I get it. Um, I do want to make another warning outside of syphilis. Uh, it, has, it has to do with the music you choose to have sex to. There's just certain genres you cannot have sex to. One in particular is dubstep. Don't do it. Is my AOL starting up? What is this bullshit? Rap is another one. They're way too aggressive in rap songs now. They're trying to make an effort to be a little bit mushier in their songs. So they have R&B guys feature on the rap songs. The thing is, rappers are still insane. They have an R&B guys to co-sign whatever insanity that rapper is spewing. So the rapper would be like, I break into your house. Make your girl give me head. Anybody try to move. No, everybody dead. <laughs> And the R&B guy's like, I'm just trying to see what that mouth do. Don't make me put no bullets through you. Like, Did you just serenade murder? <laughs> I feel like the best music to have sex to, though, is R&B. I feel we can all agree upon that, right? Yeah. Super. Yes, one person. Thank you. No, I recommend you guys are a couple, right? Sort of? Okay, that was weird. <laughs> Hey man, who isn't a couple? Uh, I don't know. But I feel like, yeah, R&B is the best music. I want you guys to go bone R&B tonight. Can you do that for me? This is my sister for sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> but R&B by itself has evolved to a very weird and vulgar place. It is not where it used to be, right? Like, R&B in the 60s was all about love, and they'd list things to compare their love to. Every song was like, do 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 My love is like the trees and mountains and skies and lakes and rivers and oceans and fish and clouds and birds and cars and trucks and roads and paint. Like, those things don't go together, but this is adorable. <laughs> then in the 70s, it was all about heartbreak, right? You have grown men just like big birds singing to you. It was long ass intros. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. My wife left me the other day, and that was the same day my whole family died. <laughs> Did she kill them too? <laughs> That's like Army in the 80s. In the 80s, it was always very poppy, very positive. Every song was like, mm, tuss, mm, tuss, mm, tuss. we're all having a fun time, yeah. 
Gonna have a good time and have fun. Nothing to worry about. Life's great. There's no such thing as crack or AIDS. <laughs> then in the 90s, it got a little more sensual, but it was still respectful. Every song was like... <laughs> I want to put a baby inside of you, baby. Boom. Key change. Baby, I want to put a baby inside of you, baby. Fuck, he wants her pregnant. (laughs) And then that weird breakdown, like, baby, baby, I want to die together at the exact same time, the exact same breath, girl. And then I want to resurrect as two butterflies who make love for a a a a a ever. <laughs> but there is no subtlety left in R&B anymore. Now it's just the most disgusting stuff in every single song. Every song's like, you might ask like a birthday cake, you might ask like a birthday cake, uh, uh. You might ask like a birthday cake, you might ask like a birthday cake, uh, uh. Put some icing on that ass, put some icing on that ass. Sprinkle a little bit, sprinkle a little bit, what? Sprinkle a little bit, sprinkle a little bit, what? Blow out the candles, bitch. Blow, 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 blow out the candles, bitch. Blow, 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 blow. Make a wish on the dick, what, what? Make a wish on the dick, what, what? You're like, what the fuck? What kind of birthday are you having? <laughs> you need Jesus. <laughs> All right, that's been my time. Guys, I'm Martin Morrow. Thank you. <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama zone, Martin Morrow. <laughs> I just want the people at home listening to picture uh, a black man with an afro wearing suspenders. <laughs> Then go back and listen. <laughs> Finally up to the stage. <laughs> Last for you in the comedy show. <laughs> this part <laughs> is a girl. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, it's a performance. That's a performance art piece. I'm doing the combined accents of every oppressed people's. <laughs> Which is every accent. Um, coming last to the stage. Is that a thing anyone ever says? Coming out last. You guys ready for last? Who's ready to end? Uh, I love this person. This person is a fantastic person, a fantastic comedian. Um, you may have uh, seen her on Comedy Central, on Conan. She has a fantastic podcast called The Dork Forest. A round of applause, everyone, for Jackie Noosh Cation. Yes, our great national nightmare is over. The hostage situation of this show is coming to a close. I'm Jackie Cation, and uh, I do stand up comedy. And I'm not running for shit. Uh, it's it. Hand basket, meet hell. It's happened. <laughs> Country. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's been great. As a white woman, let me just say, it's going well. It's going just fine. Middle-aged white lady, there's nothing sweeter except for being a middle-aged white guy. That's the only other thing. 
It's the only other thing. I get pulled over. Everybody treats me like that. I'm their little sister or their mom or their aunt. And, uh, yeah, I could walk out gun in hand, and I would not. I've offered myself to Ferguson as a meat shield in front of young black children that are just trying to live their lives. You know how, like, the young black children are not allowed to actually be assholes? Nobody's allowed to be a dick uh, when you're a 17-year-old black man? That's not allowed. You're not allowed to be a dick. Uh, when I was 17, uh, no, probably 18, uh, sure, I had the year. And um, I walk out of a bar. I'm drunk. There's a cop car right there. I'm still beer in hand. I crush it. Because I was this close to being a dyke. This close. <laughs> More like this close. Closer. Huh? Make it a dick sign. Anyway. Uh, he's he's kind of... Okay, so... Uh, I crush the beer. I put it on the police car. And I start to walk away. And the cop stops leaning on the police car and he goes, Pick it up! And I pick it up and I throw it away. And that's the end of that story. I was not killed. Yeah. So... If anyone would like to live their lives with this in front of them, uh, I'm available some weekends. I make about 2200 a weekend. Uh, see what you can do uh, to uh, get it together. Anyway, um, I have, we have a couple of choices here, you guys. Just a couple of minutes. Uh, I have written this in the last six months. I have approximately six jokes about sex in my act. Six. I've been doing stand-up comedy since the... Th- 12th century. Long time. I opened for Hester Prynne back in the 1600s. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. Uh, she had a tight five in the Iroquois, or the Iroquois, depending on how you pronounce it. And um, French Canadians. But the... Uh, um, I, uh, uh, here, here's, uh, here's what happened about two months ago. I came back from the gynecologist and I said to my husband, a man, uh, that uh, I said, hey, the gynecologist said that I have the vagina of a 30-year-old. And I laughed because I thought it was funny. And he said, I am the rejuvenator, which is hilarious. And then I said, yes, yes, your penis is the fountain of youth. And you still can't come in my face. Which is the dirtiest joke I've ever written in my life. He's never asked to come in my face, but doesn't everyone want to come in somebody's face? Isn't that something that people want to do? I might not be young. Uh, So, and then I was thinking about my vagina when it was 30. A lot of disuse. A lot of disuse. This is probably very, very cobwebs, possibly some ribbon candy, a doily. Uh, I could have rented it out as an event space, is what I'm saying. You get five hours, and I got to turn the room over. And uh, I don't talk about my my uh, my genitals too often, but let's do it. Because uh, the other day I was in San Francisco, and they won uh, the Super Bowl of baseball or whatever the fuck. And uh, hope it all. I'm glad it worked out for them. Very happy for them. And. Uh, and I was thinking, and one of the women that was at the show, the comedy show I was doing, said, oh, I'm going to go out and look for some action. I'm going to go out and look for a fella. And I was like, well, that's awesome. That's great. You're going to go out and get laid here on Super Bowl night or World Series night. And, uh, and uh, you'll probably find a guy. You'll find a guy. And I was reminded of when I would occasionally do a one-night stand, get some, uh, not, not a lot. There were occasionally gentlemen who were interested in giving this a tune-up. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying I'm not very good at it. you got to get real drunk, right? you got to really commit to putting your life in to the hands of a stranger is what you're really as a woman uh, you always have a choice when you have sex with a stranger there's always a moment when you think to yourself is this where he kills me it's very awkward but uh, worth it sometimes and um, 
And by the way, it's almost impossible to have an orgasm when you're poised for flight. But, uh... Because you're very, very tense. But, uh... But here's the great news about me, orgasm-wise. Didn't haven't had a lot of sex. I've had more sex in marriage than I did pre-marriage. And, uh... They haven't had a lot of sex, but so whenever I'd have sex, I was like kind of born on third base, you guys. That's that's the whole joke. I haven't written, I've never tried it before. I thought, here's the place. I'm gonna keep writing on that one. That's all gonna gonna keep going on that one. So let's see. In other news, uh, hey, my dad didn't die. It turns out my father is mortal. We thought he was immortal. Uh, and you know how, like, and, but he, and he went in for heart surgery, didn't go well, had to get cracked open two more times, three times, 78 years old. You can't crack open a, a 78-year-old at three times and not expect to die, right? So the second time they put him under, he's like, oh, I'm done for. And, uh, and he comes out, and the third time, the, he gets the last rites. And I get a text message from my sister-in-law, a doctor, not a not a good doctor. Not a doctor with any sort of personal skills. Uh, she's a radiologist. She's not a people doctor. She's a mm, science doctor. So uh, I get we all get a mass text. Me and my siblings. Hey, your dad's uh, going in for third surgery. They don't think he's ma- he's going to make it. Text message. Uh, he's getting the last rites. <laughs> So I call uh, my sister, who's also there, not my sister-in-law, because I don't want to talk to her right then. <laughs> I'm good. My, my own brother, married to her, said, that's my own little angel of death. Welcome to my life. And uh, so, uh, so I call my sister, and I was like, so is dad, is he done? And my sister's like, we don't know. We don't, he, they don't think he's going to make it. He doesn't think he's going to make it. And I said, well, I'm on a layover going to North Carolina to do stand-up comedy. I'm in Minneapolis. I can just get a car, drive to Milwaukee. Should I do it? And there's a pause. And uh, the way my family likes to deal with grief, you, maybe you'll get a glimpse into it. She goes, no, no, you might as well go. He'd want you to work. <laughs> And then he lived. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, spoiler alert. He's still alive. So here's the thing. Uh, he, uh, but my brother, my brother Russ, uh, the, the husband to the angel of death, got that text message. He was in a meeting with a couple of lawyers for the Koch brothers. I'm sure there's a vast army of such uh, horrible people. But my brother was in a meeting, no doubt, figuring out a way to turn poor people into some sort of elixir. And, uh, <laughs> but my brother's, my brother's in, in this meeting, and he gets the text message we all get. And there's a pause, and the lawyer goes, is there problem you okay and my he says oh my dad was getting the he's getting the last rights and the lawyer for the coke brothers says oh do you want to reschedule this and my, there's pause and my brother goes no let's just do it and the lawyer for the coke brother says well it's a little cold a little cold <laughs> lawyer for the coke brothers <laughs> called my brother a little it's a little cold and uh yeah so uh <laughs> My dad, I love my dad, uh, but sometimes I don't like him very much. Uh, he is not enormously likable. He is charming. He's a charming asshole, my father. Uh, I, love, I, I love him dearly because he's, not, he's in no competition with anyone to do anything. He doesn't give a shit about anything. My, I was out to lunch with him and my brother, and my, brother, uh, my dad goes, Hey, I talked to your sister the other day. And my brother goes, She talked to you? And my dad goes, Is she mad at me? And Phil goes... Well, you know, they had another kid, and you never acknowledged it. And there was a pause, and then my father said, Well, does she know that I don't care about any of your kids? (laughs) 
so my brother Phil, a uh, proud father of four, uh, said, well, we all thought it was going to be different with ours, Dad. We all thought it was going to be different. Uh, but here's, uh, uh, maybe I'll leave you on this, which is, here's a good story about my dad. My dad, he wants everyone to take advantage. He thinks you're leaving money on the table, right? Here's a little PSA for you. I told him I, I, I didn't do a gig. I said, I don't want to do the gig, Dad. And he goes, so you just said no? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's what you do. You say, no, I don't want to do the gig. And he goes, you never say no. What's the first thing I taught you? And I said, pick up other people's change. And he said, <laughs> he actually got mad at that. But uh, he goes, no, 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 I didn't. And I was like, oh, just by example. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> he said, no, I said, never say no without a number. That's the rule. Never say no without a number. You, you say, I'd love to do that. I'm going to need $11,000. And then they go, I don't have 11000 You're like, well, thank you so much for thinking of me. And then they say no. That's what happens. And he said, but you've got to pick a number that uh, you're willing to do the job for uh, that you, because one day they're not even going to blink. And they're going to go, oh, yeah, 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 that'll be great. And then you're fucking in the middle of Montana for no reason. So, uh, but here's the thing. So my dad, 78, he lives in an apartment building with a lot of what he calls old people. An opportunity for a free DVD player any day of the week. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he, um, he says, I'm going by the common room, right? And there's an old guy there, like 92, 93 years old. And uh, he's, guys, he's almost crying, this guy. And he says, he just got out of the hospital, and he gets a bill for $18,000 from the hospital. Medicare's already paid. His insurance is already paid. He's gotten this additional bill, eighteen grand. And he's like, hi, can you believe these people? They... And my dad goes, can you believe these people? They think they got to pay these bills. <laughs> and I said, Dad, it's a bill. Everyone wants to pay the bill. And he goes, y you die owing money to a hospital? That's a win. That's a win right there. <laughs> you send a hospital five bucks a month, they can't do anything about it. They can't go into collection. They can't do anything about it. It's a federal, especially if they're federally funded in any way, shape, or form. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And, uh, and, he said, and then he said there's a $9,000 bill from a, from a surgeon and he's and that guy's already been and so I'm just watching this guy and I'm like oh Christ just give me the bills give me the bills and so he takes the bills he takes the old guy he takes him into his apartment they call up the the hospital and my dad starts talking to the the the, the lady the lady with the billing and says this guy's 93 years old he just got out of the hospital you know and they're like yeah yeah he owes us eighteen thousand dollars she's like Medicare's already paid you insurance has already paid you he's about to die. He's going to die. You're never going to see a dime of this money. And, uh, and the, the insurance lady's like, the hospital lady's like, yeah, but he owes it. He goes, uh-huh, 45 minutes. But it, it, it. this guy's almost dead now. You should want to talk to him? He can barely talk. And uh, 45 minutes. At the end of it, the woman goes, $600. And so he gets the checkbook and he gives him $600. And then he says, now we're going to go see the surgeon. He's in Milwaukee. We're going to drive over there. But we're not going to drive over there until 4.30, 20 to 5. Yeah. So they get in the car, they drive. They get there, my dad and the old guy, they go up to the, the desk and he goes, so this, he has a bill for $9,000, the surgeon's bill. He has his checkbook with him, we'd love to see the surgeon. And the woman goes, of course, please come in. And they sit down. And my dad starts in again. Yeah, you know, you've already been paid by Medicare, you've already been paid by the insurance company. Uh, you're never going to see this money. This guy's almost dead. You see this guy? He was just in the hospital. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, you just got operated on. And uh, the surgeon's like, yeah, I operated on him. He owes me this $9,000. But it's like, you're never going to see it. It's never going to happen. 45 minutes. It's 530. It's quarter to six at night. And the surgeon finally goes, $200. Give me $200 and get out of my, my, my office. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. 
My father finally using his powers for good. But here's the thing. They drive home. They drive back to the apartment. And my dad says, here's the point of the story. We're driving back. I did this nice thing for this guy. And I said, let's stop at McDonald's, get a senior coffee. And he says, no, I don't want to. Guy wouldn't even buy me a cup. I just saved him almost 30 grand. He didn't buy me a cup of coffee. And I said, Dad, why would that guy want to hang out with you? (laughs) For four hours, you've been telling people he's dying. (laughs) Thanks a lot, you guys. Give it up for Jackie Vanushkation. Um, that is the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for being in attendance. <laughs> giving us your hearts <laughs> and your souls. <laughs> and your heart's soul. <laughs> Not your soul's heart. That we could do without. So I'll let you guys, I'm doing a character right now. This is a character. Uh, it's called Comedian That Should Get the Fuck Off the Stage. <laughs> For some reason, continues to talk. That's the name of that character. Anyway, thank you very much for coming tonight. Put your hands together. 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 Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.